0: Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning as we are getting ever so closer to the weekend, which means week three of college football action, week two of the NFL, and another weekend of, uh, of big baseball games, of course, as the pennant race continues to surge on. The know, West is not uh, – it, it is just – the Giants and the Dodgers are absolutely relentless right, right now. It is unbelievable. Now, the Giants did take the L last night against San Diego, but it was their first loss in ten games. And the Dodgers just continue to look more and more like uh, a team that is – just waiting to get into the playoffs to uh to set that thing off. So it's going to be like the playoffs are going to be great in both the NL and the AL. I'm loving the AL race as well. And uh, we'll certainly talk some baseball. We'll probably cover a little more baseball next week as we uh get into the latter parts of September and start gearing up for the playoffs. And of course, we'll have uh, a great a uh, great set of coverage here on the Jeff Dean show for you on uh on on Major League Baseball as we get into the uh, to the playoffs. We'll have some some uh, experts coming on to show to uh, talk about the playoffs and some of the teams and why they're here. And I think, uh, you know, obviously the Giants are the biggest surprise in Major League Baseball this year. That's that's uh, There's no doubt about that one. But there are some other surprises as well and uh, some pleasant surprises and some shocking ones as well. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, and we do try to keep it uh, local and Several of the segments uh, that we do here on the show every single morning. Now, obviously, I branch out a little bit nationally. We talk um, a lot of NFL, a lot of national college football, and then, of course, during the the off-seasons and such for NBA, college basketball, and uh, baseball and the like, everything else as well. But uh, we will start with talking some local stuff here as uh, Arizona Wildcats gear up for Saturday night's game against the Lumberjacks. We know that there's been some changes on the offense with Will Plummer being named as the starter at quarterback. I'm not exactly sure if they're going to have any other personnel changes. You know, they talked about uh, – Jed Fish talked about in his press conference about Jamari Joyner being ready, and they had – he said he had between 10 and 15 play packages for him in the game against San Diego State, but the game kind of got out of hand and decided to keep him uh, on the sideline. So obviously that number will probably go up throughout this week of uh, of practice. But, you know, again, he also said that he's, he's got to beat the guy in front of him, you know, to get on the field. And uh, right now, you know, those guys, you know, is he, is he going to beat out Stanley Berryhill? Probably not. I mean, you know, Stanley is one of the best uh, receivers in the conference and certainly one of the best on the, on the team. Tavian Cunningham has been uh, you know, has been uh, performing extremely well in the first two weeks for the Wildcats. And P.J. Castile is a very, very good, very solid wide receiver, has explosive capability, Catches just about everything that's anywhere near his zip code, um, you know. So it's it's going to be you know it's it's a challenge. It, it's a, it's a nice challenge for Jetfish and the offense to have, to have all these weapons. Now I mentioned uh, it was either yesterday or the day before that, you know, upon the live watching of the game on Saturday night, it was appear as apparent to me that our that the wide receivers had trouble getting open, getting separation, um, at least getting enough se- enough separation to where. Gunnar Cruz wanted to throw them the football, and the big play of the night, you know, Tavian Cunningham's r- remarkable catch that he had was against double coverage where he didn't have a whole lot of separation. He was interfered with on the play; he got banged into. But that was excellent coverage by San Diego State. They had him bracketed. Um, he just made an, an amazing play to go get the ball after being interfered with. It wasn't called, by the way. Um, you know, it just it was it was tough for for Wildcat uh, receivers to get separation. And again. When the defensive line can control the line of scrimmage, four versus five, you're going to be able to drop seven. And San Diego State was able to do that a lot. And San Diego State did bring some blitzes from time uh, from time to time, but it wasn't like all night. Um, I think they blitzed like 40% of the time, which is a, is a fair number, but they dropped a lot into coverage. And uh, Arizona's receivers, if they weren't able to get separation and man coverage, they were running into zones and unable to uh, to find pockets and places to sit down in the zone or at least – Given enough time to throw the football into that zone, uh, you know. So it was just it was just a, you know a, a a whole run of uh, of inefficiency in the offense's part. Now, Will Plummer going to be taken over as the quarterback for Arizona. What what does that mean for Arizona's offense? What is Arizona's offense going to look like with Will Plummer at the helm? I think you're going to see quicker decision making. He's a he's a guy. And it's not like he's a first read kind of guy. Um, he's just he's he's a little bit quicker at getting the ball out of his hands. He he makes a decision and he goes with it. A lot of times we notice Gunnar Cruz patting the ball, backpedaling, looking for more time, waiting for something else to open up, looking for you know possibly the big play, and then being forced out either you know by a sack or being forced out of bounds or forced to throw the ball away, or just to check it down, um, and you know and really kind of it was all just a waste of time. <clears throat> Pardon me if you're going to if you're just going to check the ball down like that. So, uh, I think you're going to see quicker decision making out of Will Plummer. We've seen that out of him prior, whether it was last season uh, and or in the two games that he's played this year. And um, Will Plummer is also a guy who is you know going to try to challenge the defenses uh, as well. You're going to see him throw deeper passes. He's going to try to challenge opposing safeties. You know, I mean, that was when you look at when you look at the metrics from uh from pro football focus you know you look at their you look at their ratings their passer efficiencies and things like that and will plummer does have a higher passing grade than than gunnar cruz at this point it's a nominal difference in grade will plummer grades out as a 69.0 gunnar cruz at a 55.4 it's it sounds like a much bigger chasm than it really is there are a couple of things to look at though specifically uh, on, on, a, on a couple of the metrics that, that need to be discussed. First of all, it's, a, it's a, a, a statistic called ADOT, and no, that is not Arizona Department of Transportation. ADOT is the average depth of target. Okay, This is something that, um, that PFF uses, and it's something that NFL, uh, NFL uh, analysts and uh, some of the high-ranking college analysts have been using for quite some time. How deep are the targets that the quarterback is choosing? Okay. It's it's important to know where they're delivering the football. Where they're the choices that they're making, how far are they essentially throwing the football? Okay. Now, Gunnar Cruz, his A dot is five point eight. That is mm, in the NFL, you want your quarterbacks to be about seven and a half, eight plus on on A dot. Uh, otherwise, you're considered more of a like a dink and dunk type of offense. Will Plummer's A dot is 10.1, which is is pretty good. I mean, you're, and we're going to talk about some some NFL quarterbacks here coming up uh, whose A dots you will also see near the tens, um, and and you'll know how you know how successful those guys are um, when you look at when you look at that. So the A dot is one thing that is in Will Plummer's favor. Obviously, that number is almost double what Gunner Cruz is, meaning that that. When Will Plummer throws a target, uh, throws to a target, it is twice as far down the field as Gunnar Cruz's choices were. So that's one thing to take into effect there. Also, if you look at the sack rate of each particular player based on their pressures, Will Plummer uh, took a sack on about 14% of the dropbacks where he was pressured, whereas Gunnar Cruz was 23%, over 23% in his dropbacks. So, Somebody who is spending more time in the pocket, more time backpedaling, maybe even seeing, you know, some more pressure or some more, uh, I guess, unique or schemed type of pressures that's causing more problems on the offensive line. That doesn't tell the whole story, but it does show you uh, essentially just how long it is taking for certain players to to get the ball out. And you know, it's not, it's not like a. a I, sh- I shouldn't say it's like a. It, it doesn't tell the whole story, okay? Let's 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 you know be very clear here. It doesn't tell the whole story. There are other metrics when you look at as far as pressure goes, as um, how much time they had to throw the football. According to Pro Football Focus, just in the San Diego State game, uh, the Gunner Cruz had an average time of three seconds to throw the football, and Will Plummer had an average of two point seven seconds to throw the football. Now, those numbers. I don't know if you know, what they mean to you or whatever, but three seconds to throw the football is pretty good. That's not, it's not terrible. It's not like he was being pressured from the get-go. That's somebody who was taking sacks. He had three sacks on on his dropbacks in that game. He had sacked three times when he had an average of three seconds to deliver a football. That's somebody who's holding on to the ball for too long. That's just, I mean, that, that tells you exactly what that is. Will Plummer took one sack, And his average time to throw the football was 2.7. He was pressured on, he took sacks on fewer pressures. And that kind of tells you a, a lot about how they're working and how they're maneuvering in the pocket. So even though Will Plummer is throwing deeper balls, meaning that he's having to spend and wait more time for receivers to come open down the field. He's also spending less time in the pocket and delivering the football. So, you're getting that quicker reaction. You're getting, you're getting faster developing plays, and he's delivering the football. This is all very important for an offense to be able to move and score. That's the main thing. You know, Arizona – okay, San Diego State, they didn't move the football. They just, they just they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. It was a total defensive domination by San Diego State in that game. My hat's off to them. BYU, Arizona moved the football quite well. They couldn't get in the end zone. They couldn't score. This has been a problem for Arizona for a year and a half now, over a year and a half. It goes all the way back into 2019 when they just haven't been able to score points. The last time they played with a lead was against Colorado in 2019. You know, what I mean, this is, this is something that, that is not new. This is not a new problem for Arizona. This is something that has been ongoing, and it's a problem that's going to take time to fix. This team is not going to show up and score 33 points a game. I made that v- abundantly clear from the get-go. From the, before the season even began, Like, if you're expecting this team to go out there and score 30-plus points a game, you're out of your mind. It's not going to happen. I don't care how good these quarterbacks develop and turn into being. The, the offense just wasn't going to score that many points. You don't just walk in and say, you know, we've got a new coach, we got a new quarterback, we got a new offensive coordinator, uh, and we're going to just score 33 points a game and – you're going to have a whole lot of fun. It's just not – that's unrealistic to think of that. Defenses can come in and make differences like that overnight. Okay? You get a guy who can scheme, and especially when you have uh, the, the amount of transfer portal players that Arizona got on defense, you can see a big difference there. Now, San Diego State, that game was uh, not a good defensive performance by the Wildcats, and we'll talk about the defense here coming up in, in, in a few minutes as well and where the – where the inefficiencies were on the defensive side of the ball. And we, look, we talked about it, mis-tackling. But we'll we'll get deeper into that because the, the pro football focus numbers are out and uh, we were able to look at them and kind of study them and, and things like that. And also credit to Michael Lev. He had some, he came up with some great numbers as well, uh, aside from the ones that I was uh, looking at myself over the last day or two. Continuing on with the Will Plummer situation, another threat that he brings to the table – for the for the defense and and I think this is you know this could end up being a wrinkle that that will help Arizona is his threat of scrambling his ability to scramble out of the pocket and run with the ball. We've seen him do it several times. Last year we saw him do it in the San Diego State game. We saw him get out into the open field on that fourth down play and look he had to score his fourth and goal, right? The you know, the offense put themselves in that situation, but it was fourth and goal from like the 19 yard line or whatever it was. And he had to try and uh, try and get in the end zone and score, and he lowered his shoulder against a against a defensive back and tried to run him over. Just going out there and just trying to deliver a hit, just trying to to do anything. Just you know, Will Plummer's like you know he's got that tough guy kind of uh, kind of vibe about him. He's ever since that UCLA game, he's I think he's kind of worn that badge. Um, you know, the the UCLA game, Grant Gunnell goes out with a with a uh, with a hangnail in the first play of the game. And then Will Plummer comes in, gets, just gets his brains beaten in, for four quarters, and still kept coming back for more. You know the kid's got grit, and uh, he's a tough guy. And he's, he, last year he's a two freshman, now he's a second year freshman, uh, because of obviously the uh, the uh, COVID uh, regulations and things like that. You don't lose your status. So second year freshman, still a young dude, and uh, has shown that he likes to go out there and mix it up a little bit. He's a tough guy. He's a football player. So I think the threat of him scrambling is something that is going to work in Arizona's favor. I don't believe that they should have a whole lot of quarterback-designed runs for him, and even if they do have them in the playbook, you may want to just kind of save those for desperation or something. I don't know. I mean, I I just don't think that that designed quarterback runs with Will Plummer are are the option here, especially not when you have the options that you have at wide receiver and at running back and at tight end which brings me to another point somebody somebody in this offense has start to got has, has got to start finding the tight ends they they came in jetfish talked about we're going to we're going to bring back we're going to bring the tight end back to Arizona there's a good one already here first of all Bryce Woma a very good tight end uh shown an excellent capability to catch the football runs good routes when he gets open he's able to run away from defenders okay he's you know he's he's good in matchups against linebackers and things like that. Uh, there's no reason not to use him. What's he got, three catches this year? You know, Stacy Marshall, very talented tight end. Alex Lyons, very talented tight end. I think they've got one catch between them. Let's, let's, try, to, let's try to work in that tight end. Let's run some more two tight sets. And, and when you run those two tight sets, I'd like to see you run the football a little bit more. I'd like to see you run a little more power. I don't care about running if you run wide, one wide receiver out there. Run some more power. Run some lead, run some some counter, some trap. I mean, just real basic stuff. But God, it, 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 it can't be worse than what you've already done so far running the football. There's nothing wrong with running some basic stuff. You know, it's uh, I've I've been on some teams, some really really good football teams that ran real base run offenses, trap, dive, counter. Uh, you know, sweep, that kind of stuff. Just super simple stuff. A lot of screen plays and things like that. It's just things that were just simplified for quarterbacks or for a young team or for a young offensive line or whatever have you. So I'd like to see some more balls go into the tight ends. We just – they've been underutilized so far in the first two weeks. And like I said, there's plenty of wealth – to spread the ball around here, there's a lot of talented players on this offense. There's no reason why we can't start delivering them the football a little bit better rate than what we have. At you know, sixty percent of delivering the football uh, in the passing game, which is in in the college game, that's pathetic. Sixty percent completion percentage in college, in when I'm talking about total in the passing game between Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer this season so far, it's pathetic. Uh, you know, that's that's at least. 5% less than anyone would ever want to be in the game of, of college football, and 10% probably where you should be for having an offense that is going to cause trouble for every defense they face. So they, they got a long ways to go. As I mentioned, he's going to throw some deeper passes. He's going to challenge opposing safeties. There's also going to be some tense moments for fans and for coaches on the sidelines because he is challenging those defenses. Will Plummer has been a bit of a gunslinger in his time. He's been a kid that, that has been known to, um, uh, I mean, well, he threw the ball into double coverage, to, to trying to get the ball to Tavian Cunningham, just trying to make something happen in a, in a blowout game. He could still do that in a, in a very tight game in the third quarter, try to force a ball in somewhere. He's got that gunslinger-type mentality, I think. He's, he's a gamer, okay? That's just kind of what's between the ears. And he's going to try to challenge, make those challenges. And Look, sometimes it's, it's okay to do that, and there's other times where you're like, why? Why on earth would you do that? And so there's going to be some times on Saturday when he – let's go of that football and you're like, what is happening? Why are we doing this? (laughs) Okay? Uh, That's just the type of quarterback that he is. And we're going to have to trust the process and mistakes are going to be made. We knew that from the get-go. Regardless of what quarterback was going to be out there, there was going to be mistakes made. That's what happens. Three basically brand-new quarterbacks learning a brand-new system – this was this was not going to be easy for anybody. And then finally, something else that you'll see, and, and I you know I've talked about this with Will Plumber before. He, he just brings a different kind of competitive fire to him. He's he's a football player. He's a, you know he's one of those guys that uh, that will we'll, you know will mix it up with the boys, and uh, you know get his nose dirty. And I'm not saying that that Gunnar Cruz isn't a football player. I like Gunnar Cruz a lot, and I think Gunnar Cruz will develop into a, a very good quarterback. Um, at some point, it's just not right now for this team the right move, and I do think that Will Plummer was the right move for for uh, for Coach Jed Fish to make. And we'll see what happens Saturday night. See if we can get Arizona's first win in a long time as they continue to ride that uh, that losing streak, that nation long losing streak with any U coming to town. It's been a tough start to the season. Two really good football teams. Obviously BYU is good. They just beat the brakes off of Utah. And I'll have a prediction for the BYU ASU game coming up. I'll have that on my uh, on my Friday Five. That's a big game going on in Provo that uh, that I think uh, you may be interested to hear some of the statistics and some of the trends coming out of that game. And then San Diego State, obviously very good. We saw what they what they bring to the table. They got an NFL tailback. They've got a good defense. They're well coached, and uh, they're going to cause problems for teams, especially in their conference this year. So. Those are just some of the things to look for with with, Gunner, or with uh, Will Plummer at the uh, at the quarterback. And, uh, again, we'll just you know, we're gonna roll the dice, see what happens, roll him out there, give him the ball, and uh, let him play. Then that's the most important thing. ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction live in person. The public auction preview is tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's located at 3911 North Highway Drive right there in Tucson. The uh, registration is online. It's free. You can go to sierraauction.com to register. Now, it is open to the public. You do not need a dealer license to attend. And you can start bidding online Saturday starting at 8 a.m. Get the deals you deserve only at sierraauction.com. It's the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, there's been plenty of missed opportunities By this offense, and they're going to look to uh, to shore that up Saturday night, maybe cash in a few touchdowns, hopefully get themselves a win against NAU on Saturday night. And you can be there. You can win my tickets to the game uh, to go see the, the Wildcats take on NAU this Saturday night. In fact, let's go ahead and start registering people right now. Let's do our first one of the day. We're going to do one each hour, your chance to win my personal tickets, my season tickets to Saturday night's game. You're going to win a pair of tickets. We're going to give away two pair on Friday morning tomorrow. Today is your last day to get registered for this week's game. And the way you can do that is by texting the, t- the keyword HALFTIME, HALFTIME, to 68683. That number is 68683. Text the keyword HALFTIME for your chance to win my tickets to the game. And uh, you'll be able to uh, to enjoy that. And I know that that uh, Dave Hickey and the, the administration came out with their essentially apology letter yesterday detailing all of the, the problems that had happened, and uh, I do fully expect them. I know there's been a lot of meetings down there uh, concerning game day uh, you know, protocols and and uh, policies and getting people in faster and having you know better facilities and things like that. So um, they're working on that, and uh, it should be a better performance all around this Saturday. And you can be there by texting HALFTIME to 68683 message and data rates may apply for this Saturday's game against uh, NAU. So good luck and if you uh, uh, if you want a second chance to register you'll have a second chance coming up in our number 2. Now if you look at the look at the overall game report for the Wildcats it wasn't pretty. I mean obviously it wasn't going to um, you just kind of look at some of the differences between like San Diego State's numbers and Arizona's numbers and specifically I want to talk about in the in the running game and the tackling game and such. Arizona only gained 15 yards after first contact in that game. Meaning that once San Diego State made first contact, uh, you were going down. That was it. It it You were were going for zero at that point. Once you got uh, got touched, you were going for zero. 15 yards total after contact. Greg Bell, running back for San Diego State by comparison, had 88 yards after contact by himself. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be fixed. And it's, that's more of a, in my opinion, that's more of, of a, of an indictment about the defense than it is about the offense. Now, let me tell you, let me, let me, let me show you what I mean here. If you're looking at, at the overall defensive grades from the Wildcats in this particular game, let's go to the PFF defensive grades. Let's look specifically at tackling because that's a, that's a huge aspect of the game, obviously. And it's it's one of the, the points of contention that Don Brown had that everybody had following the game. Tackling was really, really not good. Um, when you look at a lot of the metrics, and obviously, you know, you watch the game. I was watching it live. I watched it on tape. Uh, there were certain, you know, things that stood out to me. But, a, a, you know, a, a large portion of the problem is coming from the secondary. And, look, the secondary shouldn't have to be the ones coming up to make these tackles in the running game. You want to make sure that your defensive linemen are plugging gaps and that the linebackers are filling and able to get those tackles in. And the linebackers, for the most part, tackled pretty well. Anthony Pandy was, was spectacular at tackling. Um, he's, the, he's the team's best tackler. I, I think we all kind of knew that already. He received an, a grade of 84.1. Uh, his tackling grade was an 84.1. It was by far the highest on the team, and the only the only player even in the 80s. There were plenty of players in the low to mid-70s in tackling. Uh, guys like Christian Roland Wallace, uh, Rashi Hodge, J.B. Brown had a, had, a, had a pretty decent grade as far as that goes, Keon Bars, Trevon Mason, but they didn't have a whole lot of opportunities, you know, is the problem. They were just getting, you know, blocked out of there, but when they did, they were able to make those tackles. Mo Diallo had a, had a good grade you know these are you know these are players you expect to have these types of grade christian young of course playing the, uh, the the viper position his grade was 77.2 not terrible uh you know you want to be in the 80s but not terrible but then there's other problems you know like you, you know jackson turner i'm not I'm not trying to pick on anybody here jackson turner's a walk on and he played more snaps on defense than anybody else in that game you know anthony pandy played 66 snaps all but one snap jackson turner played all 67 defensive snaps in that game you know, he's a walk-on. And, look, call it what you will, this is this is football, okay? This is, you know, this is big-time football. I know even though these players aren't being paid, per se, to go out there and, and perform, uh, these coaches are, and they're going to damn well make sure that they continue to get that paycheck. And apparently what Brady Hoke and his coaches saw on the defense was to target Jackson Turner, and they did. They went after him repeatedly. They threw the ball at him. They ran at him. Every chance they got they, to get him in open space against an offensive player, they did. And he missed six tackles in that game. Granted, he was targeted a lot in that game by San Diego State, and that's, you know, that's the, th- the kind of things that are going to happen. But Gunnar Maldonado, transfer, uh, transfer safety, had a 26 rating on his tackling. Isaiah Rutherford have a 27.9 rating on his tackling. Lievell Tatum, which is surprising to me, had a, a, a tackling rating of 26.2. I actually thought Lievell played a pretty good game. But uh, according to uh, Pro Football Focus and the way that they broke everything down, didn't tackle well. Played everything, everything else he did well, uh, you know, as far as being in position and things like that, uh, shedding blockers, but uh, did not tackle well. Look, they targeted the people. They studied the film. They saw where the weaknesses were in Arizona's defense, and they went after it. They exploited it. And props to their coaching staff for doing that. Arizona's going to have to start doing that as well. I mean, obviously, they're going to be looking at film, and it's constant, uh, you know, constant movements and in, uh, in improvement for, uh, for the Arizona offense and the Arizona defense. How do you go back to you know how, how do you how do you improve your tackling? Well, I mean it's 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 a fundamental thing again. Blocking and tackling is what this game is about. It's, a, it's they're both very fundamental things. If you can't do either of those, you either need to get new players or get new coaches because it's just it's something that is tr- extremely fundamental. You can't get away from it. If you don't want to throw the football fifty-five times a game, that's fine. There's plenty of offenses out there that'll let you run the ball fifty-five times instead if that's what you'd rather do. But if you don't want to block or tackle, the game of football is not for you. So Arizona's has to to find ways to be better in both of those. And, as far as I'm concerned, shedding blockers. Because, you know, San Diego State did throw a few wrinkles at Arizona as far as, um, like, running misdirection plays, spreading the field a little bit. But they were able to create matchups, and they were able to get hats on hats. It was kind of like – it was almost like, like watching someone – kind of you know if you have like drawings you're looking at, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a, a, a like an animated drawing I'm going to do like my own little flipbook cartoon of what a play looks like okay and in that offensive play of course you have every offensive lineman making his block perfectly and pushing his man into position and you have a tight end moving his man into position and you have you know whatever a wide receiver putting his man in position leaving a one on one open space against another player OK, that's how you draw it up. Right. That's you, you You see it like all the time. Like this is how the play is going to work and you see how it develops. And those drawings are always done. Like if the play is blocked up perfectly, this is how it will look. Unfortunately, that's how it looked for San Diego State a lot of times on Saturday night. It looked like the perfect cartoon drawing of what a play should look like. Obviously, you don't want to have that happen. So Arizona's going to find ways to shed their blockers. And get into better positions to make those tackles not one on one, three on one, four on one, whatever have you. All right, Arizona FanDuel Sportsbook, it's of course, it's live, and we're celebrating in a big way. The biggest game this Sunday Chiefs and Ravens, no doubt. FanDuel Sportsbook is about to make it even bigger, though, because FanDuel is giving new customers 30 to 1 odds on either team to win. That means that you can end your weekend right by winning. on just a $5 bet. Now, me personally, based on what I saw from this previous weekend, uh, from Monday night's game with the Ravens and Raiders, and what I saw from the Chiefs, I'm loving the Chiefs on this money line. And you can also play a same-game parlay where you can play the money line. You can take the Chiefs in the money line. You can also take Patrick Mahomes to throw for over 300 yards, and you can pick a player to score a specific touchdown, or you can play a fourth-quarter under. You can do all kinds of different things and turn that, uh, turn that one little bet into a big same-game parlay. The SGPs are, are, are huge on FanDuel Sportsbook. It's sports betting made simple, though. I know if, if that was confusing, trust me. Go to the app. They'll make it look really, really simple for you. And Plus, when you win, you get paid in as little as 24 hours. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And then to get this promotion, the 30-1 to 1 odds in the Chiefs-Ravens game, sign up with my promo code DEAN. That's D-E-A-N. Sign up with that promo code and you can get that uh, $150 on just a $5 bet. But you gotta use the promo code Dean so that they know that I sent you and they'll get you that promotion. And it's exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over in present in Arizona. New users only ten dollar first deposit required. Must wager and designated offer market. Max bonus one hundred and fifty dollars. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call one eight hundred next step or text next step to five three three four two. Coming up next. How did the sophomore quarterbacks in the NFL fair this weekend? Well, the answer is coming up next. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We talked about the the freshmen, the rookie quarterbacks in the NFL. We talked about how they fared in week one. Um, You know, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence all got starts. They all took L's in that game. Now, what about the sophomore quarterbacks in the NFL? Well, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa all got starts. They all got wins. Three of them on the road. Jalen Hurts. Went on the road to Atlanta, a game that I thought Atlanta was going to win by more than three points. (laughs) That was my bet. Uh, And lo and behold, the Philadelphia Eagles just absolutely destroyed the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, leaving nothing in their wake. 32-6, just absolutely blitzkrieging them. Justin Herbert went on the road against Washington. Uh, with the Chargers, against that great defense. All he did was go 12 of 16 on third down throws and converting first downs for his football team and throwing two red zone touchdowns in that game. Absolutely incredible performance by Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow, despite having a patchwork offensive line, went to overtime against a perennial uh, playoff team in the Minnesota Vikings and end up getting a win against the Vikings at home for the Cincinnati Bengals, and now they're considered a favorite in their first game, uh, in, their, in their next game of the season. And Tua Tungavailoa maybe had the best win of them all. He went inside the division on the road to the Kings of the East in Foxboro and beat Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots in a huge win for the Miami Dolphins. Now. This is kind of where um, quarterback stats and ratings almost – you can almost throw them away because in certain situations, Tua Tungavailoa's win was the best performance of all of the sophomore quarterbacks because he got the biggest win, a road win in the division against the Patriots, a team you're going to be competing with for second place, maybe first place. I don't know. The Bills certainly looked horrible enough on uh, on Sunday. But nonetheless, this is the team you're going to be competing against for a, uh, for a playoff spot. And you just, you just served a first-round knockdown against the New England Patriots. In the first round, you already, you're already up two points on them. It's a, it's a 10-8 score going into round two. That's a huge number for Miami and an even bigger number for a team like New England to come back from with a rookie quarterback. And it was on the road. The next time they get to play New England is in Miami, a place where New England has always had trouble winning football games, regardless of who the coach is, who the quarterback is. Doesn't matter. We've won like three games there in the last 15 years. So you can say that his win was the best performance, but you look at his grades, his pro football focus grades, his statistics, they were were terrible. I mean, Tua Tunga-Vailoa, according to Pro Football Focus, is the 28th rated quarterback in the league in week one. Received an offensive grade of 57.8, which is bad. A passing grade is even worse, of 54.5. So let's take a look at how the, how the sophomore quarterbacks fared. If you look at just pure numbers, Philadelphia's Jalen Hurts was the second rated PFF quarterback in the league in week one. Had an offensive rating of 89.5, which is incredibly good, only behind Tom Brady. And a passing rating of 87.9, which is also extremely good. However, when you look at the numbers and you look at them closer, if you look at Jalen Hurts, you know I talked about A dot earlier in the in the in the show and how it's an important metric for finding quarterbacks who challenge the defense down the field, the average depth of target. Okay, Jalen Hurts A dot <laughs> against the Falcons was 3.6 in his 35 attempts. His targets had only an average depth of three and a half yards. It was dink and dunk. It was dink and dunking, but he was an excellent game manager, and there's a reason for that. It's called running the football. You look at what Philadelphia did in that football game. They ran for 173 yards against the uh, against the Atlanta Falcons defense. It's pretty good. <laughs> Pretty darn good. Miles Sanders, 74 yards, had five yards average. Jalen Hurts had 62 yards, had a nine-yard average. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell also had a four-yard average rushing the football. Nine carries, 37 yards. They run the football all over Atlanta. They didn't have to challenge down the field. It was a perfect setup for Jalen Hurts to run their RPO-type style of offense, right? And he was tremendous in that game. And he also had two balls dropped by his receivers like wide open drops his adjusted uh his adjusted completion percentage if you if you take in uh drops and batted balls his adjusted completion percentage was 90% 90 It's probably because he was only throwing the ball 3 yards down the field at a time it's difficult to miss that target but was it was it that efficient was it that good let's look at let's look at a guy like Justin Herbert okay Justin Herbert, sophomore quarterback here, of course, out of Oregon. A lot of questions about him coming into the NFL, whether he could grasp NFL offenses. Obviously a smart guy, but based on information that I was given from the game against Arizona two years ago, he was having a difficult time grasping what Arizona was doing on defense. Yeah, what we were doing on defense. Now he missed 16 passes. He was 31 of 47. I mean, completion percentage, 66%. Okay, not bad. It sounds worse than it is. His average depth of target in that game was 8.5, challenging the ball down the field. Also, only took two sacks in that game, okay, but was incredible in situations. Situationally, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. As I mentioned, 12 of 16 passing on third downs, converting those third downs into first downs, and two red zone touchdowns. Like, it does not get much better than that. You, you, I mean, you legitimately cannot get much better than that at the position of quarterback. He was a fifth-rated quarterback in the NFL uh, this week, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. He got a horrible run grade, whatever that means. Um, you, you, I mean, you can break it all down and stuff and how he was in the running game, but um, as, as far as just, you know, in the passing game and his offense and his, what he did in situations, he was incredible. Joe Burrow also got a W, as I mentioned before. His dot was 8.8. Had a 74% completion percentage, 20 of 27. However, holding on the ball forever, he had a patchwork offensive line. Uh, you know, not, not an optimal situation for, uh, for Joe Burrow there. Took five sacks in the game. Had a nearly 50% sack rate, which is really, really bad. It's basically the amount of times you were pressured and the times you were getting sacked. He barely had time to throw the football. His average time to throw the ball was 2.15 seconds, which is horrible by anyone's standards. So they've got to fix that offensive line. He's doing it all by himself there in Cincinnati. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep that up. And finally, Tua Tungavailoa, who was probably the most scrutinized quarterback, certainly by me and many others of the sophomores coming into this uh, this season. He's the only quarterback that returns as a starter that wasn't named a captain on his football team. So something weird there. The Houston Texans who have been dangling uh, Deshaun Watson out there for the last eight months. There was a report a few weeks ago that the Miami Dolphins were definitely interested, and that got squashed real quickly because it got leaked by Houston's uh, or by Deshaun Watson's camp, and they didn't, you know, the Dolphins didn't want it leaked, so they, they shut it down real quick. So, Tua to Tunga-Vailoa, uh, there were a lot of question marks about him. Obviously, he's injured. He's a left-handed quarterback, which I don't like um, unless you're prepared for that, and, you know, I mean, and I mean really prepared to have a left-handed quarterback as your signal caller. His A dot was 10.1. He was throwing the ball down the field almost every single play. 27 attempts, average depth of target was 10 yards. They were going deep on New England. Going deep. Took a couple of sacks in the game. His average time to throw was two and a half seconds, but he got the big win. Right? I mean, his passer rating wasn't very good. Not very good at all. His his uh, NFL rating, uh, passer rating was 79.6, which is not not great by any stretch of the uh, of of the metric and his pff grades weren't that good either but he made big plays when they mattered he was able to get that win on the road so what does that tell you about the quarterback position I mean there's a lot of ways to skin a cat right plenty of ways to skin a cat but one of the constants amongst all of these guys were is they had something dynamic about them they had some kind of uh, of of dynamic aspect to their game. For Jalen Hurts, it was his ability to run the football, right? For Justin Herbert, it was his ability to really focus on the hard downs, get uh, get the Chargers in and out of difficult situations. For Joe Burrow, it was able to stand in the pocket and deliver even in the face of pressure because he only had two seconds to throw a football. And for Tua, it was to manage the game, manage the game, and then bang, go deep. Find that opening, hit the open receiver, find the man and win a big football game. So there was something interesting, something unique about each of these sophomore quarterbacks and that's what I love. None of them are cookie cutter. Like they're all different. And that's what that's what you want to find in your quarterback. What is dynamic about your quarterback? You know, a lot of people talk about you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and he doesn't he doesn't have any kind of uh, of of dynamic type of aspects to him. He's not, he, he, he doesn't have a big arm. He's not a great scrambler. He's not a great athlete. He's, he's, you know, he's you know, 50-50 in situational downs. Okay? There's a reason why the 49ers drafted Trey Lance is because Jimmy G doesn't give them any type of dynamic type of offense. He's just a good quarterback. But that's not enough in the NFL. You want to win titles, you've got to have somebody that's great at something and really good at a lot of other things as well. Look at all the best quarterbacks out there. They have something dynamic about them. There is something that they excel at better than anyone in their position. For Lamar Jackson, it's his quick twitch ability. Now, he fumbled twice in that game against the Raiders, and we're going to talk about this because he's starting to get hit a lot. And it's not like he's a big dude. He's not Josh Allen. He's not 6'5", 250. He's 6'1", barely pushing 200 pounds. And... Based on the amount of designed runs that he's had in the NFL, he's taken 82 more hits than any other quarterback, unnecessarily. 82 more. That's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot for a slight quarterback. Bear Down Fridays, this Friday leading up to the uh, the NAU game, going to be at Main Gate Square. Come down and join us. I'll be down there. Spears and Ali will be broadcasting live from 3 to 6 at Main Gate Square. Join the community as we cheer on our Wildcats with the Pep Rally at 6 o'clock featuring the Pride of Arizona Marching Band the U of A cheerleaders, the Palm Squad, the Twirlers, and, of course, Wilbur and Wilma. There's chances to win game tickets and a whole lot more. For more information, go to ESPNTucson.com. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. You know, I mentioned Lamar Jackson and the amount of hits he's been taking. He's taken 82 more hits in designed runs than any other quarterback in the NFL over the last couple of seasons, okay? It's 82 more than the next highest quarterback. And this is these are situations where he was running and tackled with the football, okay? Now, 82 tackles, 82 hits. If you were a running back, okay, that's essentially four games, okay? Let's, let's say if, if you get tackled 20 times a game as a bell cow tailback, okay, that's, that's four games' worth of, of hits, 82 tackles. Except he's a quarterback, and he's not a, he's not a running back. He's a slightly built quarterback who has taken a lot of hits over the last couple of years. Now, the Ravens' running game is completely decimated by injury. The tailback situation there is not very good. He's going to be relied upon even more heavily, even more heavily than he has been over the last couple of years Uh, as the NFL's number one rushing offense. And now he's going to be going into a game where he's even pressing even more. He's 0-3 all-time against Patrick Mahomes. And even though Lamar Jackson says it's not about him versus Mahomes, (laughs) you know it is. These are NFL players. These are NFL superstars. These are quarterbacks. It's always about them. It's always about how they measure up to the next guy. And trust me, there's a lot of quarterbacks trying to measure up to Patrick Mahomes. I do not know how much longer Lamar Jackson can keep this up. I do not know how much longer John Harbaugh can continue to run that guy out there. John Harbaugh's not that dude. He's not going to be like Bill Belichick with Cam Newton last year and just run him into the line of scrimmage 15 times a game. He's a big guy. He can handle it. Lamar Jackson's not that guy. John Harbaugh's not that guy. they got to figure something out. And it's not going to be in the passing game because we know that Lamar Jackson, even though – he has been successful and accurate in the passing game. He's not a pocket passer. He's not a guy that's going to beat you, throwing the ball 50 times a game, period. So the Ravens, I don't know. Things not looking so good for them right now. Stick around. we got the quick two-minute break. We'll be right back with our number two. Today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Stay right here on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. KMXC HD 4 Tucson.